Greetings members old and new, and welcome back to the Possibility Department, your one-stop shop for the modern-day occultist. If you find yourself entertaining the possibilities of anything and everything when it comes to the great unknown, then this is the place for you. My name is Luciana and I'll be your host as we dive into what I like to call spiritual and psychological templates for living our lives, interpreting our lives, and creating change in our lives. Take what you like, toss what you don't, and remember that what we talk about on this podcast is just as far-fetched as the concept of any higher power. Alright, let's talk about some weird sh- Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Possibility Department Podcast. I'm super excited for you to be here. Uh, we have a very special interview today with Natasha Levenger who is an energy reader and energy healer and spiritual coach. And she's going to be talking about the concept of the inner child, healing the inner child, parenting the inner child. Um, I was really excited to do this one because this is something we've been talking about, I feel like, a lot in different circles on Patreon, whether that's on Discord or some of the calls we've been doing. I feel like the subject of that has been coming up a lot. Self-parenting and sort of tending to this side of ourselves that maybe still is a little childlike and, and detecting when is that child coming out? When are they throwing a tantrum? When are they maybe being exaggerated or getting really sentimental? And Natasha has some really great insight on that. Before we go any further though, I have to thank my level three and level four patrons over on Patreon in the Occultist Lab. These are the people who are getting the monthly live meetups and calls and workshops and also access to the meditation library and everything I create. And by being a part of that level, that makes them the sponsor level patrons who are helping to build the possibility department into something bigger, better, and better. So thank you so much to new member Gemma and new member Karen. Welcome. And thank you to our older members, Benna, Sydney, Sandra, Brianna, Jewel, Amy, Susie, Mariella, Erica, Brittany, Ingrid, Tara, uh, Joanne, Noel, Sarah, and Luna. The list gets longer and longer. That's a very joyful thing to see. So today we're going to be talking about these concepts. You'll notice at some point in the interview, I think Natasha even quotes Carl Jung. And Carl Jung comes up a lot in modern occultism and modern metaphysics and even certain New Age books and movements. And I have to tell you, my inbox has been flooded for years <laughs> with people listening to my podcast and telling me you should really read Carl Jung, you would really like Carl Jung. And up until now, I've gone to bookstores and I've opened his books and every page feels like a wormhole that I'm not entirely sure I'm ready to go down, if that makes sense. Because when I do read it, I want to make sure that I'm really paying attention and picking it apart and diving in. And I think now has to be the time I have to, <laughs> I really have to, to read those books. But from what I can tell, I tried to do just very a surface level search. It looks like the concept of the inner child sort of may have originated from Carl Jung himself with this concept that he called the eternal child or the divine child. And then later it was written about in like popular psychology and sometimes even a more new agey lens by 
authors like Dr. Eric Byrne, Dr. Alice Miller, and John Bradshaw, among others, and that's how we got this idea of the inner child as it is today. And so I wanted to illustrate what the inner child is a little bit by pulling a quote from an article from Psychology Today by Stephen A. Diamond, PhD. So here it goes. What exactly is the so-called inner child? Does it truly exist and should we care? To begin with, the inner child is real, not literally nor physically, but figuratively, metaphorically real. It is, like complexes in general, a psychological or phenomenological reality and an extraordinarily powerful one at that. Indeed, most mental disorders and destructive patterns are, as Freud first intimated, more or less related to this unconscious part of ourselves. We were all once children, and we still have that child dwelling within us. But most adults are quite unaware of this, and this lack of conscious relatedness to our own inner child is precisely where so many behavioral, emotional, and relationship difficulties stem from. So I just wanted to read that out a little more from a psychological perspective. I'm going to link this article below. I recommend reading it if this is something that kind of calls to you and you're really into this stuff after listening to this interview. In the interview, we are going to talk about some um, meditative methods that you can use, but I did want to touch on the psychology of Jung, especially because Natasha herself talked about Jung in the interview, and then also uh, the more psychological perspective of the inner child. The author of this particular article, uh, Stephen A. Diamond is a forensic psychologist on anger, madness, and destruction or destructive behavior. So uh, that was a very interesting article that will be linked below. I also wanted to give a quick definition on what the inner child is. Natasha also explains it in the interview, but from Merriam-Webster, it says, the childlike, usually hidden part of a person's personality that is characterized by playfulness, spontaneity, and creativity, usually accompanied by anger, hurt, and fear attributable to childhood experiences. So you'll hear Natasha talk about this a little more in depth, the relationship between the inner child and heightened emotion and sensitivity and all of that stuff. So I'm super excited for you to listen to this one. I'm super excited to share it with you. But without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode and this interview with Natasha Levenger. All right, welcome to the Possibility Department podcast, Natasha Levenger. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I've been happy to have you on and kind of looking forward to it because I think I mentioned in the message that um, our patrons on Patreon and kind of our circles, we've been talking a lot about the inner child. What is that concept? Self-parenting. What does that mean? So I want to touch on some of that. But yeah, before we go there, um, you are an energy reader and an energy healer. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, what is that? If you could explain what that is to us and what that looks like. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) stumbling already. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it means different things for different people because there isn't really like an agreed upon term for these, for different, like some people might call themselves psychics for the reader part, um, which, but I don't tell the future. Oh my gosh. Sorry, but my cats are hiding behind me. (laughs) You heard that. Um, Anyway. um, So basically what I do though, is I look at the energy of the aura, the chakras, the um, energy patterns in people's spaces. I 
if it comes up organically, I look at past lives. Um, I just look at the deeper energy of whatever's going on for somebody. And then um, the healing element is um, looking at the pictures or beliefs and energy patterns and de-energizing them, um, um, updating contracts, um, all kinds of different tools I use to clear out people's energy fields um, so that they the goal always is for people to feel more clear, more empowered, more in connected to their space, their information, their intuition, um, and, and to have clarity about whatever it is that they come to me for. Yeah. So is that something that you, you see like in your mind's eye or that you feel, are you one of those people who has all of the clairs or some of them? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm mostly, um, I mostly feel and hear things. Mm -hmm. um, I do, as time has gone on, I do see things. The I went to a school to learn that part of it. I mean, also I should say the spiritual coaching part of element of it includes like inner child work and helping people to heal codependency patterns or whatever is coming up. But um but as far as the energy healing part, so we were taught to actually see because when you can see the pictures, you get it, it helps to have boundaries as opposed to like feeling other people's energy and then merging with them. And then um, the school that I went to was very big on boundaries, which I love. Um, and after a session, like I separated our energies. Um, so the pic the idea of the pictures is, oh, okay, a picture is like pretty neutral you can just see it outside of your space and then you can de-energize it and um but honestly a lot of times I sometimes I will see but a lot of times it's more just of a knowing or a feeling um, yeah but at the same time I'm not merging with the person but I am getting my information mostly that way sometimes I will see almost like a spiritual audit, I guess, where you're like looking in there, yeah. making sure everything's in check. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, usually people come to me when things are not in check. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't say all the time that happens. Um, so it's like trying to, you know, just have clarity. I mean, everybody's growing. Nobody's perfectly in check, you know, so it's just wherever you are with the issues. Right, right. Well, we have a lot of um, sort of like skeptic leaning listeners here on the podcast. So mm -hmm. kind of to give context, yeah. what is, what does the spirit, how do you interpret the spiritual realm? Who are you, are you working with different entities? Like, are there different entities that are assisting you in this work? How does that work mm -hmm. for you? Well, before I answer that, what do you mean? Like, how are, how are, are you, I think you identify as being skeptical. Is that true? Did you? Not necessarily. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm one of those people where I can believe something one day and then the next day be like, oh, maybe not. So I'm constantly in that, that, um, I, I usually, forth. yeah, that back and forth. I usually like to use things as templates from like a more psychological kind of perspective, mm -hmm. but I'm also not against the idea of there being much more. Like, I'm pretty sure I've encountered a ghost before. You know what I mean? I just don't, 
I've never seen full form of anything. So I don't know what that other side looks like, but I could mm-hmm. say with firm belief that I do believe there's another side with things that we don't understand. If mm-hmm. That makes sense. And is that what you would say most of the people here are when you say skeptic, like, Yes, I, I would say, I mean, at least I don't know all of my listeners, but the ones that pop over on Patreon and in the Discord, they usually align somewhere with me where, you know, you you feel that there's something more going on, that there's more on that other side, but you don't exactly know what it's it looks like. And you're kind of open to the possibility of it well, being yeah. anything. Um, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I would say that's just like being a reasonable person. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think that's skeptical. It's just like, well, let me see. It's funny because my husband is like pretty science-based and he often tells me that what he loves about my approach to spirituality is that I, he thinks I look at it like a scientist, like, oh, I'll test this theory out, which is what I do. Like, I feel this, let me see if this works or let me see what I notice. And, you know, if that checks out or not. Um, I forgot the question though. What is- <laughs> I was asking if you, if you work with any like specific entity that oh, oh. assisting you in the work that you do. No, not in my work um, with people one-on-one. I, I don't channel. Um, I don't, again, it's the school that I went to was like very, they don't like that <laughs> big on so, boundaries I guess right like yeah again, drawing that boundary yeah exactly so it's just my highest information in my but I I do see like I do see aliens and um <laughs> and uh people that have passed and I talk to them and um yeah but I don't like I don't channel anybody I've helped people release entities that have come on the scene in their life yeah (laughs) um but yeah but I don't I don't channel in my private life like when I'm meditating I do have a group of guides that I work with um that give me information and um I, I still don't call it channeling. Probably somebody else might call it channeling. Again, the terms for these things are have not been agreed upon. Right, yeah. <laughs> Probably because it is so, um, you know, it's when us humans, we like things to be something we can touch and like prove with in the physical realm, you know, yeah. and this work is so ethereal that, just people are doing different things and calling it the same thing. But, um, but yeah, so I do talk to guides and, and I, and people that have passed and stuff like that, but I not in my, generally speaking, not in my work. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I mean, it really does sound like you kind of go about it like a scientist then you're more, you're kind of like witnessing what's going on, what you're feeling and not necessarily like channeling it through you yeah yeah Yeah. exactly it's really for me about trusting my information and the longer I've done this the easier that becomes and I'll have a sense of if something is real or not and it is so ethereal like it's like I've learned especially for me when I look at past lives I'll just 
I'll see one or I'll hear one little thing or just get a knowing. And then I just kind of have to follow that thread right? to find, to hear the rest of the story. Like I'll be like, I'll see, like I'm seeing you on a farm or feeling a farm. And then as I say that, like the rest of the story kind of just, I start to know it. Right. Um, but it's not, and it's not like, yeah, it's just, it's, Heart, what is the word when you can't it's touch fluid something? ephemeral yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah um and over time it's just there's been a lot of confirmation in terms of a lot of times like if I see well for instance today I had a client who I, I'm not mentioning names so I think it's fine that I'm just saying could be anybody um that they came their original home was with a certain group of aliens and they were showing me that she was a hat was like a bird in that when she's with those people when she isn't in her human body um and she then told me all her like has this she always dreams that she's flying and things like that it's like and that her always feels like she's like when she's dancing people will think that she's like actually been like levitating or something um not really but they're like it felt like you just took flight or something so yeah. anyway it's stuff like that where i get confirmation that it that just gives me more knowing that what i'm doing is real um if somehow i found out i mean i don't see how that would be but i'm also like really not attached to well, this is the thing, you know what I mean? Like I'm willing to be wrong about a lot of somehow science could explain what was happening. I'd be like, Oh, Whoa, that's cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and so you would just accept it. it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But for me, this is my knowing. And obviously I like an actual, like, I can't prove it in a real world terms, I guess. Right. And I mean, that can be said for all of occultism, you know, we can't put it. Right. And I think that's why people struggle trying to grasp it because it can't be put in a box and it has so much to do with your own interpretation. You know, if, if we're all sitting in a room and someone says, describe the energy in, in the room, yeah, might all be interpreting that energy differently, or maybe the energy doesn't exist at all. And it's like our own psyche that's, that's making mm. it up, you know? Yeah. So, um, I mean, is... I don't think that's true, but I could see a case for it. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of times if someone is in a room and I think we can agree many times you'll like say go into a party and a lot of people will feel like, why does this feel heavy in here? Like, why does it feel this way in here? You know? And then from there we may interpret why, but probably if something heavy is going on, we're going to feel that everybody's going to have some feeling of that. Does that make sense? Right. Everyone's going to pick up on like the broad feeling and the, the minutia of it, maybe like the small details we might all interpret differently. Is that what you're saying? Right. Exactly. It'll be funneled through our belief systems or our pictures about it, or like someone might get insecure about it or blame themselves. Somebody else might be like, oh, I'm going to leave because I know this isn't my stuff and I need to get out of here. Someone else may try to start people pleasing and make everybody feel lighter, you know, we would all have a different reaction, but I think, I think we all 
we would all feel if that was what was happening. Yeah, I love that interpretation of how energy maybe runs through all of our different filters, like it's filtered through our belief systems, how we were raised, what other people will think if they knew that we thought that we were feeling that. And, you know, it all kind of runs through and that's how we begin to interpret things differently because it has to run through our individual filters. Right. Um, I don't think I had heard that perspective before. So that's really cool and makes sense. So what does, what does an energy like a session with someone, what's the first thing that you look at? Like what's the anatomy of that? Or does it depend? Um, Well, no, usually it starts with if some question, so what, or questions, if someone's going through something, it could be in a relationship or a work project, or they could just feel like um, stuck and they don't know why, Um, whatever it is, we look at what, why they, felt drawn to get, um, you know, clarity or help. Um, and then, so I look at the energy of the situation and oftentimes this is where inner child healing comes up because I'd say most of the time it's related to, um, to the inner child, to something that some core wound from the inner child, um, the wounded inner child. And after we get, you know, we talk about it and get clarity about it, then we move to the healing. And that's when I start to just clear out the energy and move things around so that whatever's ready to leave, leaves. Right. And just help usher it along. Well, that brings me to my next question, which is, you know, um, you talk about the inner child a lot. I listen to Magic Monday podcast as many of my listeners also oh, listen to nice. the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you talk so much about the the concept of the inner child and healing it and how that changes your life by constantly kind of checking in with your inner child. And so for our listeners, I was wondering if you could explain kind of what the inner child is, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah. So the wounded inner child is um, a part of us that is living in a past moment of hurt or something that happened in the past. And so they haven't, you haven't processed it. You wasn't able to come to a point of completion where you feel resolved about it. And so it lives still inside you as that age or whatever age you were when that happened. Um, so that, and it can be many different ages. Um, right whenever, depending on where you check in, but it's a part of you that is still in the past that hasn't been updated with present time time information that they're safe, that you're an adult now and everything's okay. And a lot of times people will end up behaving just as their inner child and not as there's no inner or, or very little inner parent home, so to speak. Yeah. Um, And, or they'll behave just as the inner critic. um, But either way, it's um, that dynamic. Yeah, that makes sense. And you would say that, I guess, most of your sessions typically tie to to someone's wounded inner child. Is that super common? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. It's very common. I mean, essentially it's, I mean, the inner child, the wounded inner child is part, oh, and the non-wounded inner child is part of our ego. So 
Um, it's everyone has that we can't escape it as humans. And um, so it's, yeah. So oftentimes if you're feeling stuck, let's say it might be um, that I might see, let's see, seven-year-old you who felt overwhelmed in at home and was told to be perfect, let's just say, um, like had to achieve all the time. And so when she has to, when you have to do a project at work, all that comes back up. That's just yeah. an idea. Um, but it usually almost always ties to some part that uh, at that, at a younger age. So with that, then I would assume then that we all have like wounded inner children at different ages, regardless of how our childhood went, right? Because yeah. we internalize things pretty heavily as a kid. Is that? Yes. Well, the yeah. So from ages of zero to seven, sometimes people say zero to 14 is when we get all of our programming for how we look at the world and how we interpret how we feel about ourselves and how other people feel about us. We take that in and then make decisions about our, our identity and our worth and also how we relate to other people. Um, so even if, yeah, you don't have to have had a traumatic situation to happen for you to just have something have come up that you weren't able to process. And you can even have very well-meaning parents who weren't able to, let's say, model for them. They weren't able to model boundaries, let's say, because they themselves were, let's say, people pleasers or something. Um, so you took, you got the information, oh, it's not safe. My mom doesn't feel safe. I mean, not that you would say this until, but you would get that feeling. My mom doesn't feel safe um, saying no to her sister or to anybody. <laughs> so I shouldn't say no, you know, right. that kind of thing. It can be sort of seemingly innocuous, but the messaging you're getting still gets in there. So you see and witness that as a as a child and it sort of like runs in the background for the rest of your life. And if you don't catch it or realize it, then you'll continue to not have boundaries in this case and yeah. not say no to anyone. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the, you know, it's um, Carl Jung, so I forget how he put it, but it's basically like the unconscious will rule your life if you don't, I mean, he did not say it like this at all, but <laughs> the idea is the unconscious will rule your life unless you um, put awareness on it. And that's, ac oh, you'll, that's, what did he say? Something about, you'll call it fate. You know, you'll just be like, oh, that's just what happens. But actually a lot of it is because of the subconscious programming yeah. that, um, that you're, not aware of and it's just ruling your life so the more you put the light on this stuff you know it's also called shadow work yeah then the more you will be living the life that you want to be living as opposed to being ruled by that programming right so what are some of like the <laughs> what are like the telltale signs that like your inner child is is running a situation or running the show and that your parent yeah. is nowhere to be found in, yeah. in the mind <laughs> yeah there's so many but um a lot of times procrastination like if you just can't get something done that's often either the inner critic or the inner child um feeling hurt all the time if you're feeling really like um 
you know, just getting your feelings hurt all the time and you're not, you're not sure, like you can't get out of it or you take things personally all the time. Um, anytime the emotions are really overriding everything else, like you can't get clarity. You just feel very much in the emotion of a situation. Um, that, that is one way to tell the gosh, there's so many ways to know. Um, there's so many ways it happens. Um, being really hard on yourself, being critical, even though that's the inner critic, it's still your inner child is being ruled by that inner critic. Yeah. And I mean, that's also an emotional place to be being really hard on yourself brings up a lot of, and I guess it makes sense because when you're a kid, you're not exactly you're not exactly intertwining like logic into all of the decisions of your life necessarily. You're acting out from a place of emotion, just like pure raw emotion. And sometimes it's overbearing. Well, our Um, brains aren't fully developed till we're 25. So yeah. And especially as a kid, everything is just like, and, and you think everything is your fault when you're a kid. Yeah. You have to, in order to be safe, if you think your parents or your caretakers are at fault, then you're really screwed. And a lot of adults still feel like they're at fault for everything. So, yeah. Yeah. So that is also a good sign that the inner child is the one who really is feeling that way. That's the inner child that feels everything is their fault. Right. Also, when you have trouble setting boundaries, you know, um, when you're giving your power away, um, that that's also the inner child being ruling it. So what's a good first step to acknowledging the inner child and how do you I mean do you have like an inner dialogue with it like how does that work as far as doing the work and trying to heal it you know yeah well I do teach a whole class in this so if anybody's interested it's not I just finished around so it's probably not gonna happen again to the fall but I'll try to give um some salient details um so essentially really practicing self-compassion which I talk about a lot on the podcast um but just yeah acknowledging like uh, um so I'm trying to think of a specific situation let's say your feelings were hurt by somebody like a friend hurt your feelings so putting your hand on your heart which is self-compassion is a really so much easier when you can give yourself some kind of touch. Supposedly it releases oxytocin, which they call the love hormone. And it, it, by touching yourself in a loving way that, that brings that up and just doing that alone. I said, supposedly, but that's actually science has proved that, but I also (laughs) feel that and I've seen that in people. Um, But um, I said science, like I, being condescending. I I believe in science. Yeah, yeah, we got it. (laughs) Science. Um, So um, yeah, so putting your hand on your heart and just acknowledging like you were hurt. It's really important when you're acknowledging um, your inner child to just repeat what's happening as opposed to talking yourself out of it or um, trying to figure out a solution, just acknowledging what's happening. So you were hurt. That was really hard for you. And then um, here, see what else you have to say about it. So one thing I recommend a lot to clients is to have them dialogue as the inner child. So I love to do it 
with words out loud and like embody it. It's very powerful that way, but you can, it's also very powerful to journal. So just writing it out, not like without editing, just like, I hate this person. You know, I feel bad. Yeah. Like just dear like, diary style. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just letting that emotion out. So not yeah. editing it at all. And then, then you put your hand on your heart, take a breath and then respond as the inner parent, like, that was hard. Yes, I hear you that, you know, however it is that you um, want to be nurtured. And like in the class, the first class is just devoted to the inner parent because many people, myself included, when I started this work, didn't have any basis for an inner loving inner parent. I didn't have role models for that. I really had to figure out from the ground up what is it that makes me feel nurtured? What is it that really like gets me to feel, um, you know, safe and, and feel good. Um, so that's like a whole process and it's really trial and error. Um, there are a lot, one thing that I, I really like hearing one thing you can do is like, do you know about the love languages, the five love languages? Yeah. Yeah. So I like to use that as kind of an in for yourself, like to figure out, okay, what is my love language for myself? And then, so for me, it's words of affirmation. So I like to figure out, okay, what would be the thing that I wanted to hear for, I would need to hear from this person to feel okay. So say my friend hurt my feelings and they were like, I'm so, what would I want to hear? Maybe I want to hear like, it wasn't your fault at all. I'm so sorry. I should never have done that. So then I take the feeling of those words and that's what I say to my inner child. Because saying the words really feels good to me. Like, it's not your fault. That was not your fault. I'm just, that's not always the words, but in that case. Um, but some people touch is really important. So like taking a pillow and um, is very supportive for your body to connect it to your body, like hugging yourself with a pillow or just like hugging yourself, forgiving yourself touch. But again, it's trial and error, but it's really figuring out how do I nurture myself? How, what do I specifically need? Because it is different for everybody. Right. And so as you're going through this process of like healing the inner child, then the person who's kind of doing the healing and providing the healing is, is this inner parent. Is that correct? Yes. You're kind of like self-parenting and being that parent right now, like yes. in this moment. Yes, that's right. And I like that you said that in this moment, because that's the point, a lot of times it's triggering an old wound, let's say my hurt my feelings, but really it's that my mom would always hurt my feelings in that particular way. So she, my inner child is live, actually the wound is coming from way back then. So for me to really say these words to her, it's like bringing her into the present moment with me now. Right. And so it's really healing kind of on a you know, multi-time level. Right. Right. That makes sense. Well, I think this is a perfect segue into, um, I have some listener questions. There's just oh, okay, two. Great. Um, I do want to just say one more thing about that, which yeah. is um, uh, doing some kind of reprogramming meditation is really helpful too. And doing it regularly. Um, I do have one for inner child healing. I'm sure that other people have some, you could look on YouTube too. Um, but doing it regularly is really helpful because, um, 
it helps to go in there. You can give yourself what you need from the core wound, like from, um, you can reimagine a scenario happening from your childhood as if it happened the way you needed it to. And that really helps your brain to, it, it's crazy how much it helps to just make you feel more safe. And as if that other stuff, it makes that original wound, um, what happened less powerful. And it really replaces it because with what you've, what you're telling it now, because your subconscious doesn't know the difference between what's actually happening and what did happen. It just takes the information and uses so it. the reprogramming. When you do it consistently, it is a way of kind of redoing your childhood and giving yourself these, um, feeling of safety. Right. And you have that meditation via your email list. Is that correct? You have one? Um, no, this one, it's $5, but you have to, yeah, you, it's not free. With my email list, you get um, three other ones. Like gotcha. One. Yeah. But this one is is different. Okay. So for everyone listening, the email list and the $5 one will also all be linked below. Um, so I mentioned in um, our Patreon Discord that I was interviewing you, and we just got two listener questions that are both about um, emotionally or physically unavailable parents. Mm-hmm. And so the first one says, for folks that really raise themselves with little parental emotional availability, what's a good way to temper the strong and practical parent inside of us with our creative take a chance side? Um, so I want to be sure I understand that. What's can you read that last part again? What's a good way to temper the practical parent? Yes, the practical parent with our sort of creative risk taker side. Um, I don't know if she meant those as like two forms of the inner parent, but those two sides, I guess, the strong and practical parent and the creative take a chance side. Yeah, so I would say I don't know that they're both the inner parent, but maybe what I'm wondering if what she's saying is that she's wondering how to balance like her creative, like spontaneous side with the practical side. Um, And so what I would say for that would be to that, I mean, that would be a good way to just check in with your inner child. So um, let's say she wants to do something that feels, um, spontaneous. Um, she can bring in the inner parent and just have a conversation with that side of her, like, okay, well, why do you want to do this? Or how are you feeling right now? What is it that you want to do? What can, you know, and then because the practical side, I don't see that, I guess I don't see there being anything wrong with it. I mean, oftentimes the parent can be practical, but still encourage that creative side. You know, it doesn't, I don't see it as being, I guess when I say wrong with it, I mean, I don't see it being one or the other, like it doesn't have to be one or the other. Does that make sense? No, it does. I think, I mean, she started by saying for folks that really raise themselves with little parental emotional availability. Mm -hmm. So it may be, it, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm not entirely sure, but it may be that there was no um, like parent available to even be strong and practical. And so now in her adult life, she's having to like balance these two mental sides. Oh, you, like you see what figure I'm out how to be practical. Perhaps that might be it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. 
I'm sorry that I'm not as clear on what the question is, but um, either way, to me, I would say to just keep, you know, what I talked about before in terms of working on creating what this loving, supportive parent looks like through either finding examples in the real world or um, when you notice yourself feeling nurturing towards anything, noticing that has that feel, bringing that feeling for your, towards yourself, and then using that side of you to talk to the, even talk to the part of you that's like, I don't know how to do both things. And and say, you know, okay, well, that, how does that feel? That feels scary, you know, or whatever it is. And like, you don't, letting her know you don't have to choose or let's explore both possibilities. But if what she's saying is, how do you even do it? It is a process of learning how, I mean, I also did not have, that's what I was talking about before. I did not have a, an I had the opposite of emotionally available. <laughs> and so it really has been a process of like piecing together. What does that look like for me? How can I support? I would say in that case, how can I support myself to be creative if that's what I want to do? And um, just learning how to create that parent inside. It, it is a process. So it's a process of sort of creating that ongoing inner dialogue where you're constantly offering yourself support. Is that it? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Like we're always talking to ourselves all day long anyway. Anyway. You know? Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we are. So this work is really about um, learning how to make it a loving situation where you're aware of what the thoughts are instead of it just being like in the background where you're not it's again, it's the subconscious kind of ruling your life without awareness. So because we already are talking to ourselves about shining a light, okay, I notice this voice is going on in my head. You have the floor now giving yeah. that voice the floor. And then as best as you can learning how to bring in the loving witness that's listening to that voice from a loving place as opposed to it just like ruling you. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we have one more question that is also about um, unavailable parental figures. And it mm -hmm. says, how do we let go of negative lessons and habits that we picked up from unavailable uh, parents? And so yeah. I think, I guess the, you already kind of mentioned, it's just that ongoing dialogue, right? It's, and it, it takes time is what I'm hearing. It takes time to build because you have to figure out what your love language is, so to speak, how you feel nurtured. And so you have to constantly sort of, um, it's like a discovery process. Would that be correct to say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's where I think like the reprogramming stuff is super helpful because finding out, <clears throat> excuse me, finding out like what is the core wound here that, what am I feeling underneath this? And then going back and giving yourself what you need in a meditation, um, addressing it in real time by when you um, encounter these negative programming, this, whatever the feelings are, letting that part have a voice. A lot of, again, a lot of times it just is like, you feel bad about yourself, but you don't know why. And it's just this voice running in your head. <coughs> Excuse me. And so by giving it your, you know, by dialoguing it or saying it out loud, 
you're letting it come to the surface. So then you can deal with it and heal it. I mean, a situation like that, it's, I mean, yeah, it's not so easy, but like, it's um, a process of taking your power back from those people and owning your own power by parenting yourself in this way, by choosing as much, at least even just recognizing this doesn't feel good. This isn't right. How can I take my power back and re-train um, myself to um, be looking at the world through a more, a lens that supports me? How can I support myself? How can I honor myself? And by continually doing that, that's how you give those, that programming less power. Yeah. But you've lived your whole life, you know, again, the subconscious, you got it in there in that early age. And now it's like running that program's running your whole life. And so it doesn't take, you know, like one quick lesson. I mean, and like, for instance, in a session with me, what I'm not trying to tell myself, but I'm just trying to say one way, good way to do it is like by clearing out the energy. So that's another thing. It helps re clear out the energy, de-energize stuff so that you're coming from more of a clear base instead of having their stuff in your space. So another just quick energetic tool that you can use in this process is the I, the golden vacuum, which I talk about a lot on the podcast. Yeah, you do. I love that. <laughs> vacuuming out your energy field with a, imagine a golden vacuum, vacuuming it out and then putting it in front of your aura and exploding it. So little things like that add up. So that your the more your energy is clear, then you can start to do the reprogramming, the re-educating, the reparenting work more effectively. Right. So it's more of like a, it's not a snap your fingers and everything's figured out. It's more of like a daily, day by day. Um, I think Tess Whitehurst talks about magical hygiene a lot, yeah. right? Like cleaning mm-hmm. things out, clearing things out, and then starting to figure out, okay, where are the wounds? How can I nurture myself? Yeah. I mean, I'm a really big proponent of doing small things every day so that you don't have to, um, you know, so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. I mean, just like doing small things like that vacuum throughout the day. It doesn't take any time. You can just be sitting here right now and, you know, vacuum out your space in two seconds. Um, right. And then bring, I should mention also breathe in light afterwards to fill up the spaces. Um, but yeah, there's just little things you can do, putting your hand in your heart and checking in with your inner child, just like, how am I feeling right now? How's my heart? What's going on? You know, doing little conscious check-ins like that, that, that adds up over time because you're already, if you're feeling unparented inside, then you're unconsciously doing the opposite of that throughout the day over and over. And that's why it feels bad because over and over, that's what you're doing throughout the day. So little, just little things that really does um, work. Right. Well, beautiful. You left us with a 
wealth of information. Oh, good. <laughs> um, so, I mean, where can we find you? How can we book a session with you? All of that stuff. Yeah. So you can find me at highestlighthealing.com and you can look on there to read more about what I do and schedule a session. I also have a thing. It just reminds me uh, called 11 for 11 and it's 11 emails that you get over 11 days um, for $11. I like to keep have some like really affordable things on there so people can help themselves. And it's, it's 11 tools, just like I was talking about that you can do so small things every day. It teaches you a different tool every day that you can use. Um, you don't have to use them all. So it's like little things to help with exactly what we're talking about, like inner child healing, clearing out your energy, all that kind of stuff. So that's on my website too. And I'm on Instagram as well at Highest Light Healing and Facebook. Okay. Well, perfect for everyone who's listening. If this appealed to you and you want to start this work, I'm going to link the 11 for 11 below along with everything else. And Natasha, thank you so much for coming on. We learned a lot and I'm so glad you were able to. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Natasha. I certainly did. Everything will be linked below if you would like to book a session with her. The 11 for 11 spiritual tools, the meditations. Make sure you check her out and follow her on Instagram. And as always, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for supporting the department. A great way that you can support the department is by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts or sharing it with a friend. That would mean the world. You can obviously always pledge a dollar amount monthly on Patreon and then get access to all of my secret content. Or if you just feel like tipping, I have created a tip jar and that will be linked below as well. I thought about it and I feel like every creator should probably have a tip jar. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of this. I've really been reflecting lately on the growth and where I started and I just, I wouldn't have any of this without you. So thank you for being here and stay mysterious. <laughs>